Hello, and welcome to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. I'm your host, Hugh Willard. Aging Well is a podcast for everyone in or approaching the retirement years. There's a lot to unpack here apart from the financial planning component, and we'll do just that. We'll explore new interests, priorities, and goals, and finding purpose for ourselves and in our relationships. Join me each episode as I share stories and chat with guests learning to live their best next act lives. Welcome back, everyone, to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. This week, we are taking a break from having a guest on our show sharing their experiences, as it is the week of the 4th of July. It is our nation's birthday. We are 246 years old this year. I did a bit of uh searching online to check out the ages of some other countries around the world. And it's interesting to see where the historians have to debate and grapple with the differences between countries as they exist in their modern form with respect to governments primarily and empires that have a much longer uh, history with them. But as we do a bit of a cursory search, we see that the United Kingdom is 315 years old. France is one of the older ones, and it's somewhat close to modern form at 1,179 years old. There's certainly, as I said, more, uh, again, depending on how we consider form of, of country and government versus empires. And we certainly know that countries exist because of colonization and the overrunning of native and indigenous peoples who are the first uh, to inhabit whatever land uh, in question. And thus, as we think about this, it's fair to consider that countries are primarily born of conflict. Certainly is true for um, these United States in our um, cleaving from the United Kingdom, as well as most others as we consider across history and, and geography. We certainly find ourselves today, and we, we, have, to, we have to acknowledge, um, it's, it's not even an elephant in the living room. Uh, it's it's a very overt time and place and experience that we have here in the United States uh, for listeners who I think primarily would be from the United States, but we certainly have listeners from overseas as well. Um, it's it's crystal clear that we're in a time of turmoil. Politically, this has been happening for a number of years, uh, and we certainly see uh, the acuity that comes with the recent Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade, and uh, as well as we tune into our televisions or devices, we see the ongoing public hearings of the January 6th committee. This is a difficult time for us. That's not saying anything that's that's not uh, obvious. This is a difficult time for us. And so while birthdays, we like to consider that they are joyous times and times of celebration, 
they also are times for reflection. And as we reflect, we, we certainly, we sit in this experience uh, as we have it today and know that we are a country that is deeply divided. There's a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil that is um, most everyone's experience, uh, wherever one might sit in terms of values and views and perspective about things. This podcast is a podcast that is of and about and for third agers, folks in the second half of life. And it's meant to be um, a showcasing of people's experiences, everyday folks' experiences, uh, experts' perspectives on different dynamics that are um, relevant, that are germane to the time um, that in which we live as, as seniors, as middle-agers and seniors. But we certainly live in the larger context. We live in the larger milieu that is um, our, our broader uh, country and world. And so it, it matters that we take time to reflect on our place and our role in this current climate. Early on, um, one of the early guests that was on the show was Tuck Kamen. He's written a few books and he has a podcast of his own. He is all about intergenerational connectivity. And he spoke to that uh, very eloquently in our time together on the earlier episode. The value, the importance, the necessity that we, whatever our station and time of life, that we um, consider that we don't live in isolation, we don't live in a bubble. We certainly can acknowledge that there are ways that society indiscriminately um, may look to the senior years as a time of less engagement, um, greater need of being cared for, um, and that's regrettable on a number of levels because while certainly there can be eventually the need of greater care, there's so much value and resource that comes from within each of us um, in the, the second half of life in the third age that holds import for us individually and for our families, but also for our larger communities and societies. And it is to everyone's benefit that we remain engaged. And it is to everyone's detriment if we do not. Uh, there are many of you who are hearing this right now who already know this and, and are fully engaged. And, and I applaud you for that. And I think that is, that is so vital and so important. For other folks, we certainly, you know, we have earned our place and our time in the sun. And um, so by all rights, it's, it's a legitimate and authentic experience to adjust pace, to take time to, to restore and to rejuvenate and to really just um, enjoy as much as we can our experience. Many of us, we, we've worked so hard and for many, we still do. Um, again, out of necessity, based on circumstances, have to continue to, to push and push to, to move through um, our time, even in the third age. 
it's important that we remain tuned in and um, active, however we want to consider that and make choice around that, active to the larger communal experience. We are a part and we have much to offer. And I'll probably pause that at least for a moment because it sounds like I'm moving into being a little bit preachy here. Um, but this is certainly something on a broad scale that I have passion about. And then on a more immediate scale, any of us would have passion if we go into particular um, issues that we would identify as of, you know, of high value to us. I'll take a moment and go back to the birthday part and speak to, I recently finished a book. The book is 1776 by David McCullough. And I don't have the date on that right now. This is this book was written maybe to, to 20, 30 years ago, um, at least that long ago, because my mother gave me the book for one of my birthdays. She passed away in 2006, so it's been a number of years since her death. And um, in the family, she and I are the most... Um, dedicated readers and or were the most dedicated readers uh, you know, she was when she was alive she often gave me great book suggestions and we we shared and and we loved to chat about the different books that we we had read she gave me this book and i have to confess on the face of it it did not excite me and this was a few years before she died so early 2000s she gave me this book 1776 and it did not excite me. It was a gift from her. I valued it on that level. It sat on my bookshelf. It made numerous moves, several moves um, from, from different locations and different homes and survived several cuts and cleavings where I would winnow down my collection of books that sometimes I confess would get out of hand but it survived. It was a book from her and I had not read it. And I felt confident that one day I would read it. And as it turns out, I read it a couple of months ago and really enjoyed it. It was, uh, as the title might suggest, uh, it took that one year or really not even the full year, but within that one year, 1776, which was you know, the, the birth of our country and our claim of independence, and it really came at it from a narrative perspective and not the sanitized, in some ways we might say romanticized, rendering that we would get in the history books. Uh, war is ugly. Conflict is ugly. And, but uh, David McCullough, he, he was working from, you know, he, was, he, he did his due diligence and his research. So he really came at this through uh, letters and missives and uh, different accounts um, of all range of individuals, not just, again, the, the sanitized version that we would get from the historians um, in, in some instances. So, and it, it really made it personal and it, it showed us inside the lives of the individuals who were a part of this experience, both on the the colonies uh, on the side of the of the colonists, as well as the British, a heavier focus on the side of the colonies. Not so much on the politicians. They they uh, you know they had a cursory um, 
a, a place and acknowledgement within the story, but it really, it really sat at the level of the frontline folks. And when we get to that level, we see, certainly we see a George Washington who was a brilliant man, but who had little precedent to work off of and, and little to guide him. And he made major mistakes. We don't always get a sense of that uh, as he's considered our founding father. So there certainly were times of, of fortuitousness and, and yeah, just, just again, just plain luck that things turned out the way they did. And that's, I think that's a fair variable and consideration through any story throughout history. There is those, there is that quality to it. But we also hear the challenges within the troops not just because of the dire conditions of, of weather and sickness and general lack of supplies, hunger. These were folks who came from disparate parts of the colonies and had little in common. And that's, you know, I think if we stop and back up and think about it, it makes sense. But I don't know that we necessarily do. I would say that I didn't necessarily consider that we were colonists. We could have one uniting view against the oppressors being uh, the, the British. But not only just North and South and the differences, but even within, for example, the Northeast, much of the book speaks to the time, the battles that happened in Boston and then also in New York leading up to um, George Washington's famous crossing of the Delaware. But within New England, there were great disparities in terms of temperament and value set and self-opinion. Um, there were different um, troops who really loathed each other. So it's, it's really remarkable to consider how the different leaders along with George Washington were able to bring and coalesce, bring together and coalesce these disparate groups in a common cause. And I think there's a, um, you know, there, there's certainly a, an object lesson for us as we come to this time today. I'm not a politician. I am not going to try to speak at that level. But again, as we consider the great uh, stress and strain that we are experiencing in our country today, um, the differences are painfully obvious. And I think it's, much, it's a much greater challenge for us to find those connecting qualities that allow us to see each other at the level of our humanity and to relate to each other at that level. Um, there are different comments about politics and politicians, and one of them is pol all politics is local. Um, you know, there's another one that speaks to it's easy to hold animosity for someone at a distance. It's a much greater challenge to do that once we get to know the other individual. Um, and I, I don't profess to have the solution for how we do that today. Um, but certainly as we consider 
within the, the grouping of third agers who are not um, a one-size-fits-all group, certainly a, a great degree of, of uh, variability within our, within our group of, of baby boomers and Gen, Gen Xers. So um, I, I guess to try to bring this into some summation, it matters that we take care of ourselves. It matters that we speak with passion to the things that we hold dear and in high regard. Um, and it also matters that we find space to get beyond our fears and find those common threads that are a part of all of us and seek to acknowledge, honor, and respect that in each other, even where we hold righteous anger um, and righteous fear, you know, I spoke just a moment ago to say, let go of the fear, but fear that is authentic is, is an important part of what can propel us in the direction of finding a path forward. But so often fear is going to be commingled in an unhealthy way, and we will lose our capacity to really find the right solutions that I would say have to include being able to seek out, find, acknowledge, and honor the humanity in the person who um, holds the views that um, are opposing mine. So on this celebration, again, we can either choose to stay with that word or maybe say acknowledgement of our country's birth. That's our 246th year. Uh, my wish for you all is that you would have important time together with your family, with your friends, and that you would take time to reflect on that which you hold dear, how you would go about engaging that and honoring that in our larger community. Happy 4th of July, and thank you for your time and your interest with this podcast. And we will be back on board next week with our next guest. You have been listening to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. I am author, psychotherapist, and life coach, Hugh Willard. To learn more about this podcast, listen to other episodes, and discover resources related to our guests and topics, please go to our website, findingbeautyinthegray.com. If you have comments or questions, or would be interested in sharing your story with us, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at FindingBeautyInTheGray.com. Aging Well is produced by Willow Way Creations with sound engineering by Garrison Locke. Theme music is written and performed by yours truly with Greg McGee and Garrison Locke. Thanks everyone for joining us. We hope you will be with us again next week.